Grace, mercy, and peace be on you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God which engages us is the gospel lesson read previously. Thus far the text. Please be seated. Dear friends in Christ, I'm going to go out on a limb here, but I suspect that I am the first one and the only one so far this morning to wish you a very happy and blessed Gaudete Sunday. For that's what today is. Gaudete is a Latin word that means joy or rejoicing. And traditionally it is on this Sunday, the third Sunday in Advent, that we come forth and light the pink or rose-colored candle on the Advent wreath as we have this morning and rejoice because the celebration of the coming of our Savior is closer and closer. Unfortunately, and rather ironically, however, there was little or no joy for John the Baptist in our gospel lesson for today. John the Baptist had been in prison for about a year at this time after he strongly objected to a very inappropriate marriage between Herod Antipas, who was the Roman ruler of Galilee, and Herodias, his brother's wife. Herodias made sure in convincing Herod Antipas that John should be locked up in prison. And from that prison, John the Baptist sends messengers to Jesus to ask him a question that admittedly is a little hard for us to hear, especially considering who it's coming from. The question, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Was John actually doubting or questioning Jesus there as he sat in that prison cell? If anyone should be strong and resolute in their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and identifying him as the long-awaited Messiah, we would think that it would be John the Baptist. After all, remember the account more than 30 years earlier in his life when John's mother, Elizabeth, was pregnant with him and her cousin, the Virgin Mary, came pregnant with Jesus. And Luke records how the Holy Spirit entered Elizabeth and the baby, John the Baptist, leaped in her womb in the presence of his Savior. Or remember much later on as Jesus is about to begin his three-year earthly ministry and comes to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, John had been told by the Father that the one on whom he sees the Spirit descend and rest, this is the one who will come to baptize with the Holy Spirit. And after the baptism of Jesus, John was privileged to see the Holy Spirit descending in the form of a dove and resting on Jesus. So that in John 1 verse 34, John the Baptist could say, I have seen and I have borne witness that this is the Son of God. Or earlier in that same chapter, as Jesus approaches John the Baptist and some others, John very confidently points to Jesus and says, Behold the Lamb of God 
who takes away the sin of the world. And yet, it's this same John the Baptist who sends messengers to Jesus with that question. Are you the Christ, or should we look for another? Now, there are some that are so troubled by this question that they try to soften it. They try to say, well, it really wasn't the case that John was questioning or doubting. He actually sent the messengers to ask that question so that they could hear the answer that Christ would give and be strengthened and fortified in their own faith along with anyone else who was there to hear Jesus' response. In other words, the question wasn't asked by John for his own sake, but for the spiritual welfare of those messengers. Well, that's a nice-sounding theory, but there's only one problem. There's no hint of that as the motive in our text at all. Instead, it is quite possible that John, sitting there in that prison, was at that time doubting, was at that time questioning. And if he was doubting, if he was questioning, it can only be the work of Satan in his life. How Satan loves to use what we hear, what we see, and what we experience as the soil into which he plants the seeds of doubt and questioning. Just think of John there in that prison. Things certainly weren't looking like he thought they should appear when the Son of God is walking here on this earth. Why is the evil that was being perpetrated against him not being punished? In fact, why, wasn't this, why was this evil actually increasing as time went on? Where is the power and the rule and reign of God as the Messiah is walking on this earth? And you and I might have similar thoughts and wonder similar things. We look around in our culture and in our society, and we see things that are clearly in opposition to the word and the will of God, and yet some people not only condone them, but actually praise and put them forth as that which is the norm and that which really should be done. Or we see other people who are blatantly non-Christian and yet seem to sail through life without a care or a concern in the world. And on the other hand, we see some godly men and women who struggle mightily. Perhaps you have had periods of struggling mightily in your life from time to time. Perhaps that time is right now for you with family or relationships, with employment or economics, or with health. Perhaps you've experienced firsthand how Satan can use what we hear and what we see and what we experience as the soil into which he plants the seeds of doubt and questioning. Just think of how he operated with our first parents in the Garden of Eden. Think of how he sowed the seeds of doubt with what they had heard and seen from God. He comes to Eve and says, did God really say that you shouldn't eat from any tree of the garden? Creating doubt. And then when Eve responds with exactly what God had said, 
Satan out and out lies. You will surely not die. And we know what happened after that. Yes, if John really was doubting, really questioning, it would have to be the result of Satan working in his heart and upon his mind. The one who loves to sow the seeds of doubt and questioning, the one who is the liar and deceiver and the father of all lies. And make no mistake, Satan would love to do the exact same thing in your life. He would love to move you to the point where you are asking that same question of Jesus. Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Well, in response to that question, I ask you to hear and to see the response that Jesus gives to those messengers who come before him in our gospel lesson. Now, certainly, Jesus could have answered their question in a very direct and straightforward way. He could have simply said something to the effect of, yes, I am the one who is to come. There is no need to look for another. Go back and tell John, I am the one. But instead of answering that way, he points to the proof that he is the one who is to come. He invites those messengers to look at and to hear what he is saying and what he is doing. He says in our text, in response, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. And the dead are raised up and the poor have good news preached to them. Jesus draws attention to what he is doing and what he is saying because these are the very things predicted in the Old Testament that the Messiah would do and say when he came upon this earth. In other words, these are the characteristics that would accompany the coming of the Messiah. And some of those characteristics appear in our Old Testament lesson for today from Isaiah. Predicted 700 years before Christ walked this earth. Those messengers from John could hear and could see what Jesus is saying and doing, and they could rejoice because they would realize that Jesus is fulfilling all of those predictions. And they could go back to John and tell him what they heard and what they saw. And John, too, could rejoice even in prison, knowing that, yes, in fact, Jesus is fulfilling all of those Old Testament prophecies. He is the one to come. There is no need to look for another. And I invite you today, with that same invitation that Jesus gave to those messengers from John, to step back for a moment and to hear and to see what Jesus has done is doing and will do in the future. Hear and see how the one who was there at the very creation of the world, with whom all things were made, now comes into that same creation with only one purpose in mind, to undo everything that Satan and sin have done in this creation. And that is cause for rejoicing.
hear and see how the one who raised the dead himself voluntarily dies on a cross in your place so that your sin might be removed and you might have eternal life. And that too is cause for rejoicing. Hear and see how the one who healed and restored so many in so doing just gives us a little glimpse of the bigger picture that is going to transpire on the last day when he returns. And there will be complete and total healing as he will raise our bodies from the ground. Glorious bodies, incorruptible bodies, eternal bodies, united with our souls and living with him in his everlasting presence. And yes, that too is cause for rejoicing. And so on this Gaudete Sunday, hear and see your Savior. He is the one who is to come. There is no need to look for another. Hear, see, and rejoice. Gaudete. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in this one true faith unto life everlasting. Amen.